Blog Talk Radio. To another episode of Cat Talk Wednesday. Benny Hardy here outside Knoxville. My man Terry, touchdown TB Brown from Louisville, Kentucky. Man, we got a fun show for tonight, TB. We exist in a world where Kentucky has beaten Florida at football for the first time since Ronald Reagan was president. Let's celebrate. I'm still partying this four days later. I'm all about it. I'm all about it. November 15th, 1986, three quarters of our lives ago, both of us were nine. You weren't even a Kentucky fan. You were years away from leaving Carnation and becoming a Kentucky fan uh, as you entered UK for college. It's insane. We weren't doing this show the last time we kind of had a win like this, you know, the streak-stopping win against Tennessee in 2011. Uh, We didn't even know each other then, uh, hadn't even got together and started doing this show then. So that was the last time, and that was 27, 28 years, you know, from 84 to 2011. Florida goes from 86 to 2017, and it all ended Saturday night in the swamp. After the heartbreak in Commonwealth Stadium, they go down and finish the unfinished business in Gainesville Saturday. Uh, unbelievable. Two wins in the books. Streak is over with. We've been talking about take advantage of Dan Mullen being a first-year coach at Florida. Like I said, you know he's been a coach for a long time, had a lot of success. But it's only his second game as Florida's coach. Go down there and take advantage of that. Uh, Kentucky ran up and down the field, all down their throats. Terry Wilson dropped some dimes. The defense was laying the wood. Uh, We're going to get into all of it. If y'all are listening, too, and we definitely appreciate y'all on Facebook Live and y'all listening live, uh, on blogtalkradio.com. You can give us a call at 845-277-9373. This is, of course, Cats Talk Wednesday. Benny Hardy and Terry T.B. Brown. About 10 minutes from now, we're going to have a couple former cats join us. Both of them been on the show before. Uh, we got both sides of the ball covered. We got former U.K. running back Anthony White that's going to be on with us. And former U.K. D.B. Van House is going to join us as well. And both of them are friends of the show. There's been times where they interact with us on the show. Uh, Anthony was tweeting us last week. A couple weeks ago when we had Anthony on, Van was tweeting us while we were talking to Anthony. And got to give all credit to Van because Van was like, 
look, man, I don't know why you all haven't had Anthony and I on at the same time. And I was like, well, that is on us. We should have done that. And so we're like, whenever y'all want to do it, let us know what Wednesday works for y'all. They both DM'd us and said this Wednesday is the Wednesday for them. And so 615, Van House and Anthony White uh, will both be on with us. You can interact with us just as they have uh, on Twitter at Cats Talk Wednesday, Cats Talk W-E-D. Same thing on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cats Talk W-E-D. Got almost 700 people liking the Facebook page, almost 600 people following on Twitter TV. So the little social media for the show was just growing little by little every week, man. Yeah, it, it, you know, we're, we're working as hard as we can to, to be out there and, and covering the cats as well as, as other things, but uh, appreciate everybody listening and sharing and tweeting and uh, liking things on Facebook. Obviously, it, it means a lot uh, to us, uh, but I, I know we're going to dive into the Florida game, and deservedly so, and, and basically, it, it really wasn't a surprise. Right, you know, there was the blowout a couple of years ago, but three of the last four or five games against Florida have been really, really close. The overtime game, triple overtime game at Gainesville a few years ago, last year's one point game uh, that we talked about uh, numerous times. Uh, you know, cover the receivers, right? You know, a little thing here, a little thing there, and they turn it around. And uh, I know we're gonna get deep into it, but they ran for 300 yards against Florida, at Florida. Do you know the teams that have done that previously in the last 15 years? One of them was the 2001 Miami Hurricanes that had like 55 NFL first and second round draft picks on it, (laughs) led by Willis McGay. That's number one. And number two, uh, I should have wrote this down, but uh, it was a triple option team where, you know, those guys, as we saw in Georgia Tech in the bowl a couple of years ago, those triple option teams are going to get their numbers, right? They're going to, they're going to grind that out. And that's it. That's it. For me, the game answered a lot of questions. People know, I know you're probably tired of me talking about, it, but if you're going to be a successful team, you've got to have something you can hang your hat on. What is it you do well? What is it that's going to get you through the rough times of the game? And now we have a running attack with Benny Snell, who's now getting Heisman talk, Heisman buzz, A.J. Rose, oh, and Terry Touchdown Wilson, who's here now as well, and played phenomenally well. If it wasn't for the two turnovers, the game wouldn't have even been close in the fourth quarter, right? If we get that touchdown going into halftime, uh, if we sustain that drive on the on the fumble and maybe get a field goal, that's 10 more points at least. And the game's really not even that close. So let's talk about that. It wasn't a fluke. It wasn't a wide receiver playing quarterback. It wasn't because Florida <laughs> suffered some injury. It wasn't uh, rain delay. It wasn't. The, the sun was shining. It wasn't anything like that. It was Kentucky was a better football team, which I would say we have been three of these last four times, but we finally, finally shut that door and finally got the monkey off our back. 
uh, I mean, from, from start to finish. And, look, I was with everybody else in the Big Blue Nation, uh, start of the fourth quarter, up 11 points. In the back of your mind, you're thinking, how are they going to lose it? Because it was the same point last year. It was a 13-point game. And Kentucky fans, and I don't blame them. Look, you know, some people are like, oh, don't be negative, da 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 No, look, we have all seen Kentucky have, have games like this where for three quarters, three and a half quarters, they are a much better team, but then find a way to lose, right? I, I don't think that that's a, being a bad fan. That's like, hey, I've watched Kentucky football for 30 years, right? I know how these things go sometimes. Uh, I think one year with Jarrett Lorenzo, we were up 21 to 3, you know, at the end of the third quarter and managed to lose. So I'm with everybody else, like, okay, how are they going <laughs> to, what are we going to do? But to their credit, to Stoops' credit, they kept grinding it out. They kept doing the things you need to do to win. You know, my frustration with Kentucky fans comes in when, like, oh, there's an interception. Oh, that's Kentucky football. Well, everybody has an interception. You know, most teams that aren't Alabama have a turnover during the game. What we were able to do uh, uh, Saturday night against Florida is we bounced back. You know, people wanted Terry Wilson benched. Got to sit him. Can't play Comes back, has three touchdowns after, you know, after half after people, everybody wanting bench. Let the young man work. Let the young man, obvious, and, and Justin Rowland, who we've had on the show a couple times, does, breaks this down beautifully. He's like Ron Jaworski, and he's shown, if you follow him on Twitter, just by play calling and by scheming, how Eddie Grand is coming together as an offensive coordinator with this bunch. Also, how Terry Wilson is making plays that no other quarterback can make right now. And, yes, there might be a bad play here or there, but he's bringing so much to the table, you can't take him out. And that's where we are right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's just, you know, it was complete, you know. And and like you said, the thought – can't help but come into your mind ranging from that to, well, uh-oh, what's going to happen, to those who say that's just Kentucky football. Any range of emotions in there <laughs> just based on the history. And you and I had those thoughts when it was 21-16 and Florida gets the ball back, and you and I picked them to win you know, before the season started and last week. You know, we didn't stray from our prediction from before the season. We we both felt Kentucky could go down there and beat Florida. Uh, both stated it many times. You can go back to, and hit up any of our shows on the archive, Apple Podcasts, and, and listen to any show where we, we both said that. And like you said, those feelings still creep in where – Florida still had some sliver of daylight and still had some life until Josh Allen causes the fumble, uh, and then Devontae Robinson picks it up and uh, eventually, you know, punches it in for a touchdown. It was just so funny watching him and that offensive lineman from Florida just kind of saunter down the field together, 
And the lineman's like, well, I don't need to tackle him. Devontae's like, I don't need to run it in. And Stoops is like, get in there. And Devontae's like, I'm going to go to the one and then circle around. And the lineman's like, I'm going to follow you and shadow you. And then Devontae's like, oh, I'm going to get it in. And the lineman's like, okay, I'm going to try to tackle you. That was a hilarious sequence of events. But until that final play to officially seal the deal, you did have those thoughts creeping in. And then you heard Tom Leach, you know, the streak is over. And so until, you know, but I, I'm with you. You still had that little bit of doubt, like, uh-oh, the little sense of dread. But Kentucky did not allow that to be the case this time. Absolutely not. And, and that's the thing is we talk about coaching and in and, and the abstract, what makes for a great coach, right? We talk about uh, you definitely want to have an X's nose guy, a recruiter. A lot of coaching is keeping your team, your team collectively focused. And whatever you think of Stoops and his X's and O's and all this kind of stuff, you go down to Florida, you have two of those turnovers like we did, and there's the opportunity for your team to check out. There's the opportunity for the guys, a lot of which uh, were here last year, to think, uh-oh, uh-oh. But you have to give credit to Stoops and his staff for saying, no, stay in the course. That's coaching, too. You know, that's, that, that mental aspect we don't exactly talk about is saying, no. You know, th- that may be the old Kentucky. The old Kentucky may be snake bit. But but that's not what, what we're going to do this year and, and stay in the course. And, yes, it was a great win. It was one of those times you wanted to you hug everybody. I had Little Miss with me, woke her up, said, look, hey, you know. <laughs> and I had a little extra swag, you know. It, it, it's good. And, 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 look, I'm not saying that, that win is going to uh, – it wasn't like a great, great game, it, you know. But, but we needed this. Stoops needed this. I've talked about this before. He needed an SEC game that he could point to and, 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 and win. You look at all the previous football coaches that have had some sustained success here, and there's always that win that springboards them forward. And I hope it's the Florida game. Right? Absolutely. Uh, so I, That's I, right. I'm, I'm just excited. And we'll let the excitement continue because it's going to be pretty much a, a swamp street-busting episode as both of our guests are on uh, at the same time per Van Howe's urging. We got former U.K. NFL DB Van Howe, the former U.K. running back and NFL running back Anthony White, both on at the same time, and we can't thank y'all enough. And that was a brilliant idea, Van. So how y'all doing this evening? Come well, man. How you boys doing? You know, can't complain. Think, oh, we lost Terry. We're doing good. We get TV back. Um, did did, did, did anything happen this Saturday? You, did did I, anything special happen this Saturday? I'm trying to figure out really. if anything no. happened. Okay, I didn't think so either. <laughs> Hey, Terry, I, 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 I don't uh, don't even let uh, don't even don't even let Dan talk, 
man. Especially <laughs> if he gonna if he gonna ask you did anything happen big this Saturday. It, I guess it may not be anything big to him, but if you lost to Florida in your entire career, a hundred and eighty to fourteen, like oh, like you should really be you should be you should say they, he should be thanking everybody on this squad for rectifying one hundred eighty points to fourteen in a three year. Hold on, game? hold on. I was I was on a team that was one play away from beating them in Commonwealth. I don't think you were ever that close. Ooh. You were on the team at one point away, so what was the score? What was the score? 15 to 14? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, what, was that? what was the score? Uh, and I, I can't remember that 93-game score where um, Doran hit that scene route. Oh, I didn't know you were on the I didn't know you played the 93 team. Okay. Yeah, brother. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That was, yeah, yeah. That was, okay. That was, that was, okay. All right. That was a close one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we take a moral victory. Okay. 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 All right. All right. I'm gonna let y'all keep this show rolling. So we're not gonna talk. Okay. So I said 180 to 14. Well, let me let me update that to 204 <laughs> to 34. Then 204 to 34. Then my bad. That's some that's some quick math. Quick math right there too on the fly. <laughs> don't 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 trust this math though. That's that. That's the old, old Ohio math. I'm not trusting that stuff. Well, I, I got to give you all of that, too. 65 <laughs> to 0, 42 to 7, 73 to 7. Now, that part right there is easy. So, two sevens is 14. And that's all y'all had. <laughs> and I forgot about the 90. I forgot about the 93. So, I just hold on, hold on, hold on. Hey, 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 why? You, you were part of one of no, those seasons. No, I wasn't. You, you, were, you were sort of part of the one of those seasons then. Uh, 95, I red-shirted. 96, shellac, and I was benched. I wasn't on the field. Like, I wasn't even on the field. So, so, but, but you were on the team, though. For your son, right, you right. All, no, I'm sorry. I I'm, like you all. Hey, hey, but the coach hey guys, good go. Let's, no credit. Hey, let's move on, man, because no he, he, he stuck on this craziness. <laughs> hey, and, and look, TB – TV, they told us how this is how it was going to be right off the bat. We already <laughs> knew what was coming. <laughs> I got and no problem with it. Let them, let them do what they got to do. That's right. But, but Anthony, us, you know, us VHs got to stick together. So, I'll, you know, thank I, you, I'm going to already start thank leaning. You. I'm going to lean one way already. <laughs> <laughs> I don't run into a fellow. I don't run into a fellow VH that often. So hey, it's it's already that kinship, right? Yeah, it's hard to come by. <laughs> hey, for real though, how did how did y'all watch the game? And TB, jump in anytime when you got questions, man. Don't let me get long winded. Did y'all watch it as with your former player hat on? Did you watch it with a analyst hat on? Did you watch it with a media hat on? Did you watch it with a semi-coaching perspective, how did you all sit back and, and watch the game unfold Saturday and kind of what point of view were y'all watching it from, a perspective? I watched it sitting on my couch. I, I initially started watching it with my uh, with my analyst hat on because I knew that Sunday morning we were going to have to talk about a win, lose, or draw. So when I first started off, I'm taking notes on, you know, what's going on with this toss. Terry Wilson is, you know, taking notes on why Terry Wilson turns the ball over. 
as he, are he is he making correct reads on the defense? Uh, you know, looking at Felipe Lopez, like he ain't taking. I don't know if he's just not athletic. If he can't read defense, if he's not taking opportunities. So when we we get, I like, dang man, we was as soon as Terry Wilson ran the fake toss and ran it for the touchdown, I immediately, I don't, I didn't consciously, but I immediately turned to the former player fan status. At this point, I'm kind of like, I'm pulling for the cats. I wasn't pulling for him in the beginning. I'm always, you know, on this high. But as an analyst, I try to be unbiased about what I see. What I see my eyes, I believe, what I see. So once we started, uh, I said, dang, honestly, we look athletic, more athletic, quicker, and then it seems like we had a team offensively that the offensive coordinator was called a game plan and I can get behind. Like, I wasn't questioning a lot of the calls, you know, after we got through the second quarter. So, uh, I kind of watched it at that point as a fan, just hoping, you know, let me see what the next wrinkle they're going to bring out. You, you know, they bring out the uh, the bomb to, uh, to Lynn Bowden. At, at that point, I mean, I went full-fledged fan. I wasn't even, I wasn't even former player no more. I, I lost all respect for but trying to be respectable, and man, I went to the Twitter machine and everything after that, man. Uh, like I said, it was, it was just a, I, like I said, so basically, I started off, you know, watching as an analyst and trying to see what notes I can take to uh, to talk about it on Sunday, but ended up just enjoying the show, man, and, and just like a fan, real giddy, man. <laughs> well, I, I, I can say for me, I, yeah, as a, I was a an analytical player, so I always watch every game as an analyst slash player. So for me, it was the first time I think I've seen our guys not have that fake swagger. I think that's the first time we have played Florida where everybody had that edge to them from Cash to Josh to, you know, Benny always has it, to Terry. When when Terry fumbled that ball, you know, All my, what's this, 20 years of being at Kentucky and affiliated with them, that quarterback always comes back a little down. Not in not in that game. Not in that game. So that, this this leadership that I'm seeing from this group is similar to, I would say, that 93 team I played played on. We, we had incredible leaders on that team, and that's why we did so well that year. So um, um, I can't say I was – I picked them to win, unlike my um, my cohort on the other line. Um, picked them to win, almost the exact same score. So I'm definitely not uh, jumping on the bandwagon like, you know, that other guy over there. Hey, I've been around. I've been analyzing for a long time. And I don't know, Vinny, Terry, if y'all remember last year when we started the season, I'm up around nine, ten wins. So – at a certain point, my biggest thing is respect. I'd rather be I'd rather be happy than right sometimes, which was the case on Saturday. <laughs> but I want to I want to bring I want to bring to the fans. We can't see practice or anything. All I can go by is what we see. So when I thought we should have won nine games, I, we did give two away. So I really can't blame the players really for that. We gave two away last year. We should have had nine, but. Like I said, going into it is just kind of like, man, but you hit, you hit the nail on the head, though. It was – I'm I not asked – I don't know if it was you, if it was y'all I talked to, but I wanted to know – I know we got some dogs, but how many of the looking on each side of the a field are dogs? And like Ben said, you could see, man, across the board, man, to to, um, to Bunchy, get Pancake out there, man. I'm, I'm like, these dudes are out there like, what the who? So, 
Uh, it did show, and that, that was one of the reasons I did. I wasn't sure if we were going to win the game. That's the reason I picked against us, because I knew we had some dogs. I just didn't know how many. But I think the dogs are leaders enough now to make to not let the other guys slack or not let the other guys give up when times get tough. Well, I, I was yeah. looking at honestly, I was looking at last year. Last year, we kind of showed what we showed this year. We dominated them the whole game. If it wasn't for bringing in what the, the Dell guy, the quarterback, we would have won that game last year. We um, had more athletes. We pushed them around. If it wasn't for that phantom holding call at the end of the game, we would have came and won that game too. So looking at their team last year and how we controlled them last year, I'm like it's, it's the same team with a weaker quarterback. So to, to me, if you looked at their team last year, our team last year, and lucking up for me having Josh Allen come back, having um, Edwards come back, I mean that – those two players makes a big difference on the defense. If we don't, if they go to the league um, this year, then it's a it's a it's a little bit of a question on that defense. But having those two guys back, it makes a difference. Now, I did have a question for you, Van. Defensively, the only real drive that Florida had was that 99-yard drive, and a lot of people on Twitter were talking about the prevent defense and and this kind of stuff. And as someone who played and knows, was that what was going on or was Florida just doing something different? When you look at that 99-yard drive, what were you seeing defensive backs do that we probably should tweak going forward? I'm trying to remember. Didn't we have a penalty or something on that drive that, that helped to continue? What, I can't remember. Me, what, I just know we had that long drive. We gave up a third yeah. and 28. Which that's know, what it was. Yeah. Yeah, you can't what, do that. What, what, what happened for Florida is Florida spread us out. It, it wasn't an umbrella defense like uh, you didn't see the safeties line up 20 yards deep. You didn't see them running quarters with everybody 15 yards deep. What they did was they spread us out, and we got tired. The third and 28, we didn't get off the field. That, if you, as a defensive player, it shouldn't be this way, but that's a morale killer. Those down four guys are breathing heavy already, and now we think in third and 28 we can get off the field. They get it. That hurts. Um, it wasn't a prevent. They just, as I say, as Coach told me my first day in college, you know, those guys on scholarship too. Right. It, the chance of you right. shutting out any team on the road is – and we're not Bama. For us to shut any team, SEC team on the road is asking a lot. So they got a drive. It's just a drive. And, you know, if you ever played in Florida in September, coming from Kentucky, man, it's a – as you saw, the guys getting cramped up all day. It's a rough day. It's a rough day. So that drive, they they had a chance to get off the field. They didn't, and it hurt. Okay. Now, Anthony, same question for you. We had you on a couple of years ago, and you brought up a point that I talk about often – is when you're the offense and you're practicing the week before a game and you've got your set of 10 to 15 plays that you know you can get yards on, do you, is, it, is it confident? Like we saw that, uh, like you said earlier, in that second half, the play calling with Coach Grand, the execution was there. Like you could tell they knew what they were doing. 
did you see that as well, or is that something that that you could talk about? Oh yeah, I think it, it looks to me like they have we have Florida on their heels, and but I think the big difference is, and uh, the more and more you look at it, and every time I turn around, somebody throwing the mic in my face asking me about Benny Snell being the greatest, and I mean that's not it's not a bad conversation to have. I think it's a bit premature, but I think that's the biggest difference because if you look at down the stretch in, in the second or in the third and fourth quarter in the second half, there was a lot of times Benny would get the ball and have to bounce it outside of. The, the tackle, like they get put, we may they may get up the field some, which you hate to see a back bounce back because in this in this conference you never really get back to the line of scrimmage. Is one reason I asked uh, Van on uh, on uh, Twitter last week about even on uh, AJ Rose's touchdown, he made a terrible read. Like he he he, he could have kept it inside and still got to the same place, but he scored. So Van said it's a good play. Benny made a lot of those plays where he, he hit it up inside there. He's patient. If it's not there, he'll bounce it. So I think it was a lot of times Florida, they had what they wanted, but you just had a guy with so much determination in Benny where you got him in the back of three yards deep. Okay, by the time he slapped your hand down, now he's, he's picking up momentum going down the sideline. Now he's out there with a cornerback or a DB running up on him, which is a win for Benny. But when that started happening, you could see Terry get a lot more comfortable with so now, you know, if he know he had – and you could tell, by the way, and Van played a little quarterback back in his day, but you could tell by when he puts the ball in Benny's uh, stomach, his eyes are downfield, and he sees the guys biting, which I thought was, was huge. So I think I think it's going to even make more game planning that I think Terry's going to start to understand that the, uh, the influence that Benny has on the game, that he can relax a little bit more. And then he also showed the other part, which I think helped that Florida started realizing, man, this dude is fast. <laughs> now you got to, your DNs got to play their position and try to keep them kind of contained. Somebody has to keep contained. It's backers or the ends just in case, you know, if something breaks down, ain't nobody going to catch it. And as a follow-up, yeah, that, you guys went back and forth on, uh, I think, the Kentucky Clips that put out uh, a touchdown for Craig Yeast, you know, against LSU, I think it was. And what you're saying, Anthony, and you can join in too, Van, we've got guys in, in Terry and Benny and A.J. Rose, even when the play isn't diagrammed or, or executed the way it's diagrammed, they can kind of go off script and make something happen. Uh, did you That's, see a little bit of that out there as well? Yeah, the the, I, the worst the, the worst thing for a defense, well, I, I'll speak to Anthony earlier thing. Florida, the issue with Benny and with our offense, which is a good thing, is they forces you, they force you to play textbook defense. So when they, when Benny pushes the line of scrimmage, and the linebacker is supposed to scrape to the outside gap, but he sees Benny pushing the line of scrimmage, pushing the line of scrimmage, and he dips his eyes inside. And when Benny bounces, then it's over. That's that's the problem with when you start getting tired on defense. You start getting mentally fatigued as well as physically. You start doing stuff that you shouldn't be doing and not playing your responsibilities, which is something Alabama doesn't do. Um, and then on the defense as a quarterback, if you get a quarterback who can extend the play as a DB, you're, you're scared because you're thinking, I only have to cover my zone and my guy for three to four seconds, then become six. Now he's already ran an out route, which you are – maybe game plan and you're like, okay, if he stems inside, runs two steps up, oh, he's going out. 
So then you're looking for a pick, then all of a sudden the quarterback leaves the pocket, then it's over. Because then where does the guy go? So for those guys to be able to extend the play like um, Bouvier did on the first touchdown, those things are, are mm-hmm. it's tough as a corner to react after you know you, you've already, in your eyes, beat him. You have stopped the initial route, the initial route concept. Now the quarterback escapes. Then it's like, whoa, <laughs> now you're lost. Because as a deep, at least for me, and to the hilt. So if the receiver lined up here, does this, okay, I got it. I know what he's going to do. But once Eric Zaire starts scrambling, man, it's ball game. Yeah, like I said, I think I said this to you guys, uh, I've always been big on this. I learned this when I was a freshman in college or when my first couple years in college, that the difference in the SEC to me, and especially when I when I was in school and then and I both were in school, if you look back, Florida, Tennessee, although we got blown out in some of those games, I always said if you're going to be in a tight SEC game, there's usually two or three plays in the game that make a difference. And the thing about it, the two or three plays that I'm talking about are not X's and O's plays. It has nothing to do with the alignment. Is the person on the, another athlete on the side on the other side of the ball making the play that when you look at it, coaches just shrug your shoulders and say, "Hey, there's nothing we can do." So when you talk about the LSU clip you were watching, and Van and I were kind of joking about it, but this is something I know because from just playing in that in the, in the air raid offense was if you dedicate, if you're playing a man to man to, which means two safeties back and everybody else is manned up underneath. And the linebacker comes to guard me. If that linebacker is getting beat all day long, which typically happens, now, and this is what I was telling Van, that safety has to be aware. Because if the safety gets back to 20, 25 yards and not beat the linebacker underneath, now I've got 15 yards, another 10 or 15 yards to run, and you got to come up and make a one-on-one tackle. It's easier for that safety to say, okay, well, the linebacker is shooting at him. Let me get down there real quick while he's trying to make him miss, and you shoot right next. So that's why I was saying when you got uh, – the influence I had on defenses was, okay, we know we're in this coverage, but that guy down there is going to need some help to keep an eye on him. So that's the kind of thing you have now where, you know, uh, when you get the ball to Benny, you know, we got we all going to collapse. All of us, or all seven of us in the box going to collapse. But now you got the point where you saying, well, if Benny, if we if we get there and Benny doesn't have the ball, that half second of, of misjudgment or half of half step or half second step uh, in the SEC, I mean Terry Terry Wilson is gone if he pulls the ball out, and if he pulls the ball out and the safety's not what they're supposed to be, Bowden has shown the ability or the speed that he can run by some guys. So I mean I think we're gonna see a whole another a whole another element of the offense, like you said, based off of those influences. We got so many different guys that can make plays. It just, like Van said, it's hard, it's hard for a defense to scheme it. We got Anthony White, Van House, former UK running back in DV, breaking down Kentucky's win in the swamp with us this evening on Cash Talk Wednesday, Vinny Hardy, Terry Brown. From the defensive side, Van, and I'm I'm not nitpicking. I'm just asking because I know you keep it real, and I know you drop knowledge. Uh, Kentucky was 9 for 13 on third down conversions, I mean nearly 70%. But looking at it from Kentucky's defensive point of view, Florida was 7 of 14 
you hold them to 16 points, uh, only one touchdown and three field goals when they got to the red zone. Are the coaches still going to kind of harp on that third down conversion percentage, you know, them converting 50% of their third downs? Are they going to be pleased with what they saw? How will they kind of approach it with the guys when they look at the film and then move forward, you know, getting ready for Murray? Yeah, I, I don't have those splits on me. Um, if you eliminate that third and 28, I, I think our problem was on first and second down. Um, if, if we didn't get them behind the chains on third down, I don't think a lot of those conversions were third down and six or above. I think those were third and four and under. Um, as okay. a whole, after losing your star, tackle last week mm-hmm. the way they played this week there's there's not much you can really harp on on the film there there are some things um i can remember that um some guys technique wasn't good like on cash daniels had when if it's third down cash daniels has trouble um with like a eight out white and releasing to a line of scrimmage and run a route um, on first and second down, he's he's killer. But on third down, he seems to have a little problem with running backs because he he tries to jam them, and if you jam a try to jam a running back at five yards and you miss, it, it's over. Um, so as a defense, I'm not sure there's much you can, um, much I can harp on. Um, their conditioning was a little weak. Um. I'm still not sure about our secondary yet. Um, I thought they were going to be great last year, and they they kind of laid an egg. Um, they're playing well, but we also haven't been pushed by an elite quarterback yet. Uh, so I'm I'm waiting for that week where someone is able to uh, toss the pill around the field a little bit to see how our veteran secondary is going to react because those guys – should be uh, the best unit on this team. And it'll be interesting to see when we get pushed to see how how they come through. Hey, Vinny. Um, hey, guys, I'm going to ask you, I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna ask, uh, you this. I, I've been holding this thing because I didn't, I didn't ever want to point this out during the, you know, the whole celebration. And, Van, mm-hmm. you, did, you, did, any, did any of y'all realize on that two-point conversion that Florida was going for to tie the game up, I believe it was tied up? Does anybody realize that his first option was wide open? Did you wide open. The back yeah. of the flat wide open? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So how would that, how would that be him? Frank's, Frank's is, uh, I'm just, Frank's, I don't know where his eyes go, but his vision, his field vision is not very good. His field vision wasn't good last year. And just think about it, his field vision wasn't good last year with Coach he's been around for that whole off for the whole preseason. He was a freshman last year, right? Fresh freshman. He's been around McElvain for enough time to understand the concept of the offense. So his vision was bad last year in that offense. Now he's got a totally new scheme. You knew it was gonna be bad this year. Yeah, he, he missed a few guys that were open. A few guys. And and so when when the that's getting coached, 
I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure they're going to say, you know, great job for Josh Allen for for tipping away the pass to the intended receiver. But no doubt they'll bring up that as well, right, <laughs> Van? Yeah, yeah. It's it, you know, the goal line is is so tough because you don't have time to react to uh, play action. Um, so if he boots out and you got, I mean, you shouldn't as Everybody's compact in there, and you should read your keys. But some guys just get instead of reading the guard through the quarterback to the running back, they just read the quarterback, and you get lost sometimes because it happens so quickly. You know, that you can't take a false step in the red zone. Um, now, the thing about it is he was open right away, but he isn't a Aaron Rodgers or I'm trying to think of who uh, a Will Greer. Who could just throw that ball real quick? Mm-hmm. He had to turn his yeah. shoulders, so that he was open right away. But for Felipe to throw that ball, he wasn't open. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> yeah. it takes it takes him a couple. I mean, and not just him. It takes a, most quarterbacks a couple steps, turn that shoulder, then to throw it. So by that time, I think the pressure got to him a little bit. Some somebody got in his face. And I think that's why he came back. I know you watch the second day with uh, a real careful eye, a real observer eye, and you know, Terry and I talked about it last week. you got to get your thoughts, too, on, on Westry being a veteran and still kind of making penalties that probably shouldn't be made for a guy that's been around as long as him. That's uh, – as a player – as a, if you look at it from a fan, it's like, come on. But as a player, that's tough. The the one against Central Michigan, I understand what he was doing. I understand from a fan why it seems knucklehead. As a player, he's probably been hearing, "You're not physical enough. You're not physical enough. You got to hit. You got all all that in his head the whole time." Because if you look at it, he's six four. He had a chance to pick that. It would have been a great catch. But if you would have looked at the ball. He had a chance for that, but his thought was, I see the running back, oh, I got a kill shot, right? So he thinks he has a kill shot from, from, from jump. Before the quarterback even released the ball, he's thinking, I got a hit, I got a hit. So now, as a DB, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to go hit this guy. And he never went to the phase of, let me try to make a play. Now, yes, that's a bad play. This the second play against Florida, that happened to our defensive line who had a great stop in the backfield with the face mask. He's 6'4", the running back ducked on his pads, and it, it wasn't – it's not intentional. He, he, he got the guy down. As I was taught, get the guy down, any means necessary. He just happened to, unfortunately, hit his, his face mask. I don't – that – this second play is totally just something that happens in football. The first talk, I understand people getting frustrated about, but put that 25 years ago, fans are not uh, upset about it. <laughs> right. I mean, right. I, 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 I made a living on plays like that. It's an intimidation factor, you know. And we're gonna we're gonna hit you all day during the whistle, after the whistle. The whole day. So, I mean, I understand the rules today. You can't do that, but um, you know, 20 years ago, that that's 
people high fiving wrestling. Right. <laughs> now, with you guys both playing the position, playing the game, looking for motivation, real or imagined yourself, and then from the coaches, and then should there be trash talk from the opposition, how does having a teammate and a coach going through something like Josh Paschal and John Sklarman are, how much more does that fuel the team's fire as far as wanting to, you know, play for your brothers and all that? Did you guys go through anything similar to that? And how, with those guys' situations, what they're dealing with, how can that fuel the team even more? I think it's uh... – like I said, I think it's a big – I thought the only problem we've had for the past two years is the lack of leadership and discipline, and I think we got the right guys in position this year uh, for the – like I said before, to be leaders, and they're they, and they going to set the example. And this is the, the one thing a lot of people don't really understand when you're not – we don't get to watch practice, but coaches will see this. If your star player is slacking, if you run a sprint and say your fastest receiver or your, your, star, or your key, your, your star receiver – is panting and have and jogging or feel like he's tired, then your backup is going to feel like, oh, well, he's tired. It's okay to be tired. But a guy like Benny and Josh, if they never act tired, then you can never see them tired. And I, and I said for two years, that was the problem with these teams. We lost games because of discipline, whether it's from the coach. And I know from the inside scoop from some guys that there's not discipline in the, in the, in the, in the, in the off-field life, the meeting life, and things like that. I, all that goes full circle to say this. If you got a guy – like John Sarman, which Ben and I both played with, going to treatment, mm-hmm. coming in on time, out there in the heat, doing everything he can do, not complaining for a minute, got a family at home worried about him, but he's been here for you. There's no damn way in the world you could be late to a meeting. There's no way in the world you could be slouched down in the street when this guy's fighting for his life, but he's out there for you. I mean, he could easily, he's going to get paid anyways. Coach already said he's going to pay. Yeah. He, can get, he can go to treatment, come in for half a day, or, you know, send some, do some clips in the middle of the night and go back home. But he's there. There's no way in the world for you to slack and practice and prepare when you got a guy that's showing up every day going through what he's going through. So I, I know it leads to on the field, but most of the work is done before you get on the field. And Van was a real study guy. Van was like he said, he, Van knew a lot of things that was going on on the field. I'm talking about a half a step. As soon as the guy makes the move, Van can read it because he's watched so much film. He studied. He was disciplined about what he saw. He believed his eyes. And so that's why I think – and that was been the biggest thing to me for the past couple of years. I think having Schlarman going through what he's going through and showing up every day, I mean, that gives your teammate a right to ask you. And I know and, uh, Mike Edwards said that when he talked about coming back. He wanted to come back to try to win some games, and he thought – you know, he's going to be more focused. And he said the same exact thing I said. I thought the issues were because of what I had heard and some of the things I saw going on the field. So I think it helps with, you know, the coach talk. You don't have to have a coach talk no more when the guy is losing the discipline life. So the accountability think, is ramped up without even saying a word, basically, huh? Yep. It should be. It, it uh, As um, – Anthony said it should be. Now, I've been on the the end of both ways. It's going bad and it's going good. Uh, was it my sophomore year? We had DeJuro um, murdered before the season. And that's the year we went 1-10. And 
I don't think we ever got out of that fog that whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I we, and we had a big senior class. I think we had twenty some seniors that year, and he was a senior. I don't think that class ever regained their footing over something like that. I, I, I really don't. Um, it was not. It was in the off season in that summer, and I don't think those guys ever recovered. I don't think our team ever recovered from that. Um, then I was a part of my senior year, Coach Curry getting fired, and then we won the last three out of four games. Um, so I've seen it work both ways. It's 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 the players. I know coaches are important, but it's the players. I think this group of players, are, they have an attitude. It, it reminds me of the Claiborne um, guys when I got to Kentucky in 93. Um, we had some nasty offensive linemen. Um, we had some – their perspective on the game was totally different than it was after those guys left. I think 93 was the last group of Claiborne recruits. Their mentality was totally different. And I think these guys' mentality is totally different from the guys um, – the Tolls year that where we had them down in Florida with the zero zero on the clock, right? I think if we would have had that happen to this guy, we would have won that overtime game. Because I think the guys this year are a little stronger mentally than we've had in years. Um, And I think it's going to show. I'm going to say this. Leadership is going to take hold this week. You know, it's easy to get up for a Florida game, especially when you're still up, you know. it's, it takes leadership, but not as much leadership as it's going to take for this week, where it's kind of, as, I, as everybody calls it, a trap game. you got a lesser opponent. you got Mississippi State, new, a night game two weeks from now. How are the boys going to come out first quarter? Are they going to dominate them, get this game over with quickly, or are we going to let these boys sit around and play with us for two or three quarters? No. I want to see how we come out first three series of this week. That will really tell me the leadership quality of this team. When you see all these great teams, I'm going to just harp on Bama. Bama is not going to let Arkansas State stay in the game for more than three minutes. Just it. Mm-hmm. They're going to come take care of business and go home. Now, that's what I want to see from – that's the next step to me is these games that we're supposed to win, let's win them like we're supposed to. Right. We're talking with Anthony White, Van House, <clears throat> the coaching staff, the players, time is spent together more as a team during the season than with family. We've talked about what's going on with Coach Larman and how Coach Stoops is handling that. Good or bad, have you guys seen staff chemistry affect and trickle down to team chemistry, whether things are great with the staff or bad with the staff? Could that trickle down and and affect the team, or do players just kind of shove that aside and and try to do their best as a play, you know, when it comes to getting on the field anyway? Or can negative staff chemistry leak on down to to the guys? I think the staff chemistry can. Uh, I know, like I said, when I played under 
the air raid offense, man, all the coaches were always on the same. I don't know what happened after I left, obviously, since everybody fell apart. But I know when we were there, you know, the receivers, running backs, all the coaches would get together. I'm talking about we trade players. We would, you know, sometimes meet in the room together. It was always like a big comedy show, like a big family. But I also know when Joker was there, when him and Mentor was getting into it, him and Randy, uh, Randy Sanders was getting into it, you could tell the sideline antics, if, if the coaches don't respect each other, and, and I, I, I do say this, sometimes I think guys can, can band together and say, like Bandham said, I know Coach Curry them got fired. I was not on the team at that point. But you could tell those guys were out there fighting, whether it be for Curry or, like, man, we caught this guy's job. Let's band together and, and get them together. But there was a huge difference from when I played and our coaching staff, as opposed to the Joker Phillips era, when all the coaches were out for themselves, when things started looking bad, I mean, with the pointing the fingers, and that's why the team went two and ten. Like every each player had to look out for themselves. That's what the coaches were doing. But this coaching staff seems to be, they seem to be pretty tight. I think uh, Grant and the guys all are on the same page. You, uh, from the, from what I've seen, and when you interview them, I, I think they're all accountable. They all hold each other accountable, and everybody. Kind of feels that way. I'm not really sure about defense because I don't deal with very many of them. But Clink Hill, uh, Clink Hill was about the only one I talked to. But I, I, I feel, I guess I say, I think that all, they really do. The coaches, a negative, put it like this, a negative uh, chemistry between the coaches staff, I think, can break a team down. Yeah, you know, I, I would, I, I would hey. say it comes, it comes down to simple W's and L's. When you win, it cures everything. I'm telling you, I mean, we were the – like, we we made the bowl game my freshman year. My sophomore year, we go 1-10. Same staff. A little different situation, right? It, it, I will say this, and I, I, I will always say this, players win games. Um, that staff can go through – the turmoil they can go through, they can be at each other's throat, they can be whatever they are. But in between those lines, it doesn't matter what the coach calls. If we all handle our responsibility, that play can be a positive play. I'm t- I've I've been in a part of too many games. I've been a part of two outstanding defensive. One uh, Mike Archer and one Coach Smith. Coach Smith went to Tulane after he was fired, and they were undefeated that year. I've seen them call the perfect play, the perfect blitz. One guy doesn't do what he's supposed to do, team score a touchdown. I've seen them call the worst play for the offensive play, and we either get a pick or a tackle for a loss. It's all about the players. Um, and this year we got players. It's as simple as that. We are starting to get depth in players. That's all it is for us. I don't think Coach Stoop has really changed. I think he's still a defensive-minded coach. He wants to be a little conservative on offense. We're not throwing the ball 40 times a game. Our offensive line is starting to manhandle people. What they did, what they did about the first part of last year on down to now hasn't been seen in a long time. I know everybody says Benny has all these yards out the contact. I mean, those are not square contact hits, though. I'm going to tell you who had square contact hits. Mo Williams, when I was like, those guys were tattooing <laughs> Mo. 
<laughs> Benny's not getting tattooed. He's getting touched, but he's not getting tattooed and, and bouncing off. So that when you can win up front, offense and defense aligned, you got a much better chance to win. And we're this year, I feel real good about it. Also and and we lost Landon Young and and um and on the Bohannon. Think about that. Right. We lost right. two starters, and we're still styled up front. I also got to ask about A. Dot White's nickname Sugarfoot. You was talking trash yesterday on Twitter. I got to ask where that came from before we let y'all go too. Oh man, everywhere I've been, they used to call me Sweet. Uh, when McCord started, well, somebody started calling. Oh, the defensive back. I don't know if Van was aware, but uh, so like uh, Littleton Ward, maybe got a little bit younger than him, started calling me Sugarfoot. I mean, started calling me Sweet Feet. So, yeah. you know, uh, Quentin McCord thought that uh, Quentin McCord thought that you know sometimes one of my feet might be sweeter than the other one. So he started calling me Sugarfoot. <laughs> So instead of two feet being sweet, he just started calling me Sugarfoot, man. He said, get a ball to old Sugarfoot. Then I don't know. I just kind of like that. So I just, I just, just stuck with that one. Look, look, Anthony uh, used the killers in the scout team. He, if anybody played, scout team is, the, is for defense. It's supposed to be your chill period. It's supposed to be you just trying to get a look to see what the, uh, the opponent's going to run on Saturday. Well, Anthony wants to get in there and show off his moves. <laughs> Look, which, which, no doubt, he had moves, and no doubt. So, Anthony played in the DB room. He was in the DB room for for a minute, and I and I have jokes in the in the in the room. I don't know. I can't understand why Coach Smith let me crack jokes. I was a joke teller in the meeting room. So, Anthony will always break all guys' ankles. Always. You're getting the whole linebacker on you, breaking ankle. So I had a sound effect for breaking ankle. And that's how, yeah, that's how I got Sweet Feet Cup, this nickname. <laughs> hey, good stuff, man. So we, we have enjoyed every bit of it. Um, if it's possible, man, we got to get y'all on again later on in the season. A uh, few games down the road, Van, where, you know, the Cats have faced a quarterback who can test that secondary, come back and get your right. thoughts on that. Uh, and, and then your thoughts on the offense as well, Anthony, as we move on into the SEC season to see how this line is built and see how, you know, touchdown Terry uh, continues to evolve as he gets some more games under his belt. So then we got to do this again uh, in a few weeks. Definitely work it out before the season's over with. That's cool with y'all. Absolutely, man. Are, are, are you going to give him? Touchdown Terry? I thought TV name was Touchdown Terry. Is he Touchdown Terry the second or is he junior? <laughs> my, my touchdowns are limited to Madden and the old college football okay. game on PlayStation. <laughs> Pee Wee going gotcha. way back. Those are my touchdowns. <laughs> gotcha. Man, we can't thank y'all enough. Enjoy every minute of it. All the insight. Y'all always come on and drop knowledge. And Glad to get y'all on at the same time, man. We appreciate y'all taking the time on this Wednesday evening to hop on with us. No I appreciate man. it, man. Thanks, fellas. Hey, hey, and uh, I'll be up there this coming Saturday for the Murray State game. I'll be covering that game, man, so I got to look for you, man. 
All right, I'll find you then. I'll find you. I'll be there. Okay. I'll see you, man. Anthony right. White and Van and House, thank you all so much, and we we'll look forward to talking to you all a few weeks from now. This is Cat Talk Wednesday, Vinny Hardy, Terry Brown. We'll take a quick break, roll right into the second hour, and be on with our next guest. We continue the swamp busting edition of Cat Talk Wednesday. Stay right with us. We'll be right back. Wednesday, Minnie Hardy, Terry T.B. Brown, fun first hour. Thanks to Anthony White, Van Howes from UK and NFL running back in DB, joining us to look into the Cats' win down in Gainesville. We roll right into the second hour, and our next guest is on, also a friend of the show, formative years in Big Ten country, then grew up down here in Tennessee where I'm at, got the Big Ten perspective. He also lived in our home state of Kentucky. Currently lives in Florida and was at the Swamp on Saturday. He is a program director for the Sports Radio America Network and host the College Credit Hour Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 p.m. We're talking about none other than Memphis Spence. Memphis, thank you for joining us on Cash Talk Wednesday. How's everything with you this evening? Man, great. That was a, that was quite a rundown you had for me, man. <laughs> I, I just started thinking, like, do, do I do all that stuff? Did I? Did, I've been all those places. That's 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 quite all right. But thank goodness I was actually in the swamp for this historic event, fellas. This was good. I didn't know if I was going to go. All right, this is how this went down. Like, I, I I actually got credentials for that game first, and I was actually talking to Vinny, um, and Vinny was like, "Hey, would you come on uh, Cat Talk?" And I was like, "Sure, sure, sure." And then um, uh, credentials came open for this uh, USF game here in Tampa. Well, I don't know if you've been in Tampa during this time of the year, but it's still sweltering hot. So I was out there, and I'm a black man, but I was out there getting sunburned. That's how hot it was on the sideline over there at USF. But I watched uh, good old Charlie Strong uh, take out Georgia Tech, but I was beat. I was like, man, I'm tired. You know, that sun just got me. I was like, but what if I don't actually, you know, travel the one and a half, two hours up uh, I-75 uh, to get to Gainesville? And what happens if what happens if the Cats, Cats actually win that game? 
I got to go. I got to go. I got to go up there. I'm going to go up there. At least I'm going to stay for, you know, I'll see how the game's going and everything else. I don't want to stick around if it's just going to be, you know, what we saw for the last 30 some odd years. So I get up there. And there's all kind. Of, first of all, first of all, I didn't know Kentucky football rolled that deep. I knew about Kentucky basketball rolling that deep. But I didn't know Kentucky football actually rolled that deep. There are quite a few of you. You Wildcats actually should be proud of yourselves because I saw more Kentucky fans at that game than I saw Georgia uh, Tech fans at uh, at Tampa at USF. And it's a lot shorter from Atlanta to down here than it is from, uh, you know, uh, anywhere in Kentucky to Gainesville. So, and it's hard to get into Gainesville, too. At least you can take, like, a short flight from Atlanta to Tampa. Gainesville doesn't have an airport anywhere close. So that was that was premium, premium SEC rolling down there. Um, saw a few guys. Somebody tried to give me a shirt that said, you know, we don't, we don't lose 32 – years in a row to Florida. Wish I would have had the faith to actually take take it and put it on. <laughs> Did not. But um it was a it was a really cool experience. Uh one of the things that I saw right off and I don't know I I'm just getting acclimated to this guy. Uh John Slarman, he is one of the most animated dudes on the sideline that I've ever seen in my life. I mean that guy <laughs> He's your offensive your offensive uh line coach. He is yeah. an animated guy on the sideline. I think that and and I'm 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 going to give him I know he got the game ball, but I'm going to give him my game ball too because I think what people missed was the impressive uh, everybody, you know, touchdown Terry's going to get the all the credit. That's what's going to happen. And and by the way, Terry Brown I thought you were touchdown Terry also. I mean, <laughs> I thought that, that that was your moniker. I thought that you were touchdown Terry. So when I started hearing touchdown Terry, you know, I was like, what? did Terry Brown get out there and started QBing? What's going on? Is he out there slinging the rock around? But, um, <laughs> but, but you know, uh, the offensive line played fantastic. It was one of the best times that I've seen – Kentucky's offensive line play. And I've been able to catch some, some games over the years. I was in, uh, well, before it was Kroger Field, um, I was there. I, I, I did the college credit hour um, uh, tailgating there uh, two years in a row and picked up some fans there and everything else. That was probably about, I don't say, six years ago, five, six years ago. But, um, yeah, Mark Stoops, he, get, he gets credit as the head coach, but the, the what I saw, the – the reason why the Cats actually won that game was, and I give all credit to John Slarman and what he did uh, with those guys up front because that that was amazing. I haven't seen Florida. I haven't seen a Florida defensive line get pushed around like that since the last time they were playing Alabama, and that should tell you kind of what was going on on that line. I know there were. Uh, uh, I've been one of the people since the beginning of the season talking about Benny Snell. I've talked to some of my friends that are, uh, you know, uh, scouts, and they already they already honed in on Benny Snell. I know he's going to be an NFL running back, um, but I didn't know whether or not this offensive line could get it together in block form the way they needed to in order to beat a team like Florida, because Florida's defensive line is usually stellar. They usually have at least a guy or two going to the uh, NFL off of their defensive line, 
But I tell you what, um, some of the some of the blocks, especially in that B gap to to Freem, um, Lonen Steinberg had a couple of pancakes. I, I was I was impressed by that offensive line. I said, okay, okay, I see what we want to do here. I, I understand what the game plan is going to be moving forward uh, in the season with UK. Talking with Memphis Spence, program director. Sports Radio American Network, host of the College Credit Hour, and I'm not sure if you if you heard us talking with uh, Anthony White and Van Howes, guys played for UK back in the '90s, and with they played with John Schlarman, but the Schlarman oh. that you saw is going through chemo six hours a week. He's battling cancer right now and hasn't missed you, a beat. Uh, are you kidding me? And so me? I don't know if you knew that. No. I did not know that. Uh, they, right before the season, uh, <clears throat> defensive end Josh Paschal was lost uh, with cancer, and Schlarman was going through it as well. Right before the season it was announced, Coach Stoops got emotional in a press conference talking about what wow. both of those guys were going through. But Schlarman has a, is the same guy coaching just as hard in practice, and you saw for yourself that he is not slacking during the games in any way at all. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of a testament to him. I mean, sometimes you see people that are just fighters, right? And that guy looked like he was – there looked like there was a different intensity. Now, Mark Stoops has his own intensity, but it looked like there was an even deeper or a more focused intensity by Slarman. I'm not, not kidding at all. And I did catch probably the last three minutes of that conversation that you had. Uh, I remember Anthony White just a little bit um, – uh, from back, I think he was in the the late '90s. He he played in the late '90s, ninety ninety eight, ninety nine. I think I remember him around then. Yeah. But um, the uh, uh, Slarman, I'm telling you this right now, he's he's one of those guys that <laughs> if you can't get if you can't get hype, and I had no idea he was battling cancer. Even more of a testament to the character of that guy. He was one of the. Uh, sometimes it's the the players. And, and the quarterback or whatnot that, that you'll see with the intensity getting people hyped. Slarman was on the, the, the sideline acting like this was uh, – if you follow just – if you just followed him into battle, which I know some of those offensive linemen were doing, man, that, that's a good guy to follow into battle because he's, he'll be out front, you know, swinging first. And I, I saw that offensive line uh, with some pancakes on that defensive line, things I hadn't seen from a, a Kentucky offensive line um, in, in a quite probably since Anthony White was around uh, out there playing running back. But um, there's there's something to this season. This season is getting set up right now for Kentucky, and there may be this may be the ten win season um, that a lot of my my buddies are always talking about. I'm always hearing about this this ten win Kentucky season. I'm like, where where is it? When is it going to in, in football? I was like, where is it going to be? Where is it going to be? This season setting up, that win, that statement win, and how they did it, it wasn't, it, you know, a lot of times it's been air raid, and there was there were some really good passes uh, by um, Touchdown Terry. A lot of good passes by Touchdown Terry, uh, Terry Wilson. But in my opinion, it was what was done on the ground to open up those passing lanes that actually worked out. He's, I, I kind of see – 
at, at the beginning of the season, I honestly thought Gunnar Hoke. All the information coming to me was like, Gunnar Hoke's going to be the starting quarterback. So it was a huge surprise to me last week when I was like, what, Terry Wilson's do you name the starting quarter? He just got here. How did Mark, why did Mark Stoops make that, make that decision? And then he pulls him at halftime. I'm like, that, that, was a, that, that had to be a terrible decision. I don't think he was ready to go. And why wouldn't you put, you know, run people that were already in your system? Um, and I was talking to a couple of guys. Uh, one of the scouts said, he's an athletic freak. I, I understand kind of why he has him in there. Then we started seeing – I started seeing what the game plan moving forward is going to be. I mean, if you have one quarterback that not only – uh, can do a, a pretty good five-step drop. His foot, footwork is, is, is pretty decent, but can also pretty much run the Wildcat along with Benny Snell. Watch out, because now you're talking about a whole new type of pass-run option, which has been the, the, the key word in offenses for these last couple of years in, in college football. This is going to get very interesting for Mark Stoops, because there, it's going to open up, there, there are certain things that you can do with an offensive line, especially with certain shifts, where you can open up a, a lose-lose situation for any defense unless they're going to start pulling corners. When you start pulling corners, all that corner has to do is hint that wide receiver goes by him and it's a, it is a touchdown. Um, but when you're, when, you're, when you're actually doing shifts and you pull everybody else, the, the back linemen – uh, the back defensive end that's supposed to be uh, there for contain, and you start running like uh, counters and start running uh, run shift options to the backside, to the counter side, if you can do that with both the speed and the agility of Terry Wilson and then combine that with Benny Snell, which I, I don't know how anybody the, – the, the yards that he gets after first contact, that's what everybody's keyed in on. He's not going to be the fastest back in in the NFL, but good luck stopping him with the first guy, because he's been he's been getting tons of yards and and he showed against Florida talent how you know one guy's not going to stop him. You start running that against a defensive end, watch out because that defensive end has to choose. The minute he chooses, the other guy's gone, and then unless you're pulling a corner uh, from that side, and if you do that. And Terry still has the ball. It's just a quick toss over the head. That's going to be you're going to start seeing more uh, run pass option plays like that, especially to the weak side by Kentucky. And that's going to put a whole lot of these defenses in a quandary. The only the only defense I think may that may be built uh, to, to to stop that that may have the speed and the discipline to stop that is Georgia right now. I don't think any of these other SEC defenses, especially on the East, have uh, the talent at defensive end, linebacker, and corner, weak side, to, to stop anything like that from Kentucky coming up. And, and Memphis, I'm glad you brought up, it wasn't just the, the, the win itself. It was the way it was done. Yes. Uh, you know, yes. the last few years we've had, you know, a one-point loss, four-point loss, you know, loss and triple overtime. So, you know, we've been knocking on the door. So it shouldn't mm-hmm. really be a, a big surprise, but – I feel encouraged. I think the rest of the Kentucky fans should feel encouraged because what you're talking about, what they can do, they did on the road at Florida. I mean, so yeah. if you can take that to College Station, you can, uh, you know, take it to Louisville, take it to Knoxville. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, and, and Terry Wilson on his touchdown run, 
the cornerback for Florida had the angle. Yeah. He was outranged. And I'm yes. like, if you, can, if you can get a step on a Florida defensive back, and we know this isn't, you know, Steve Spurrier's Florida. I get that. But those right. defensive backs aren't slow guys. If you right. can outrun that guy with an angle, wow, that opens up a lot of the playbook, right? It does. It does. And think about this. When was the last time you uh, – because, you know, we – you all know all the defensive linemen and, and cornerbacks that are in the NFL uh, from Florida. We, you know, some of them you know, are household names now. When was the last time you watched somebody just outrun one of them? That's sick. Plus, if you add in the fact that Florida doesn't give up 300 yards rushing at home to anybody, I don't think they've given up 300 yards rushing to Alabama in the last six, seven years. They just gave that it's up going, to Kentucky. It, going back 15 years, I saw it was uh, the 01 Miami Hurricanes with Willis McGee and all those guys and some triple option, some triple option team. You know, I can't remember who it was. Now I have to look it up. But that's right. it. That's the list. That's of it. People that have run for 300 yards and like you said, Alabama not on it. Yeah. See what I'm saying? I, that, and, and that's what I'm saying. I was like. How it was done was the most impressive thing because that was one of those – that wasn't just a – that wasn't just a win. That was, this is how we will beat you for the next few years. Now I'm trying to figure out exactly if if, if this whole – sometimes things shift completely in the opposite direction. I want to see how many times Kentucky can actually beat Florida now that they have the formula – uh, going forward, because Mark Stoops, he's going to try and repu- uh, replicate that formula going and playing uh, Kentucky from, from here and out. And uh, I don't know, <laughs> I can tell you this right now, if that continues, there's not going to be much that they can do. I mean, there's one, you can always, the thing about beating speed is you can always use speed against itself. And, and Florida didn't look like, no. I mean, sometimes they were getting there, but they could not tackle. And when you have a fast uh, team that can't tackle, that one man, that first man that gets there, he's not going to be able to tackle anybody. Plus, you have the uh, additional benefit of having a guy like Benny Snell, which the first man is never tackling him anyway. So it, when you have that type of – when you have that speed and power option there, that that's going to be that's, – that's, that's very hard, especially running off tackle to those weak sides. That's hard to stop. And, and – I know Mark Stoops saw that, and he was like, okay, this is what it's going to be. But now, that's also how you beat Tennessee. That's also how you beat Vanderbilt. That's also how you beat Missouri. They're kind of carbon copies of what Florida's been doing. So I'm looking, I'm looking down the schedule, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. Is, any, is there another team that can actually beat this, this ground game? Because – you start bringing those linebackers closer to the line, they have less reaction time, come on, come on, then all of a sudden, tight end right behind you. Wide receiver slant. Right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, how do you beat and, that? I don't, know what the, I don't know what the defensive plan is going to be, and I'm not exactly sure if there's anybody who's going, who has A, the talent, and B, the know-how to beat what Mark Stoops has now in his holster there at Kentucky. And this is just Terry Touchdown's second 
Power Five college game as a quarterback at Garden City in Kansas last year, and so you know, still turnover prone. Still hope to see him clean up some of the fumbles and you know some of the bad reads. But oh yeah, you know you got to assume he's going to get more comfortable going forward. Uh, a lot of us kind of hope. Well, maybe we wish we had one more game for him against maybe a weaker opponent before they go to Florida. Well, they went down to Florida, you know, in game two. You know, on the road, true road game, first conference game, and came out of that okay. So you mentioned maybe 10 games this season. They haven't won eight or more in a regular season, you know, since 1984. They went 7-5 and five right. and won a bowl game a few times under Rich Brooks oh, yeah. and, and, you know, Jerry Claiborne and things of that nature. But, you know, 7-5 uh, and five last year. So, it, you know, and I've been saying all summer, take advantage. You know, last year they should have won nine. You mentioned ten this year. Last year they were seven and five, gave the Florida game away, gave the Ole Miss game away. They were up double digits in the fourth quarter in both of those and ended up losing. So close mm-hmm. the deal. They could have went nine and three last year. It is possible this year, and I've been saying take advantage of these first-year coaches. That was Dan Mullen. Yep. Who whooped you yep. at Mississippi State? Mm-hmm. This is first mm-hmm. year Florida. You got a first year coach in Jeremy Pruitt. You got Jimbo Fisher in his first year at A and M. Now they look good against Clemson and should have won it, but That's it's right. still his first year there. So take advantage of these first year coaches, even if they're veteran coaches in new, you know, addresses. Take advantage of that this year. I'm not exactly, and and I have to look at what Texas A and M has because you brought up a really good point. Jimbo Fisher, College Station is going to be a rough place to play too. Um, but I still, what I saw, I mean, it was, and it was how, and, and I'll be honest, I'll, I'll be, I'll, 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 I'll be very honest. When Terry threw that second interception right before the half, that's when I left. So I was listening to the radio, honestly, the, the, the play-by-play, I had it DVR at home. I was listening to the play-by-play like, man, I can't, I thought, I, I really thought that they were going to do it this year, but uh, two couple of turnovers against Florida, you know, that's always you, – you can't go into the swamp and just start turning over the ball and expect to win. But that's what happened. I get home, there's like three minutes to play. I'm like, I can't believe that this is about to happen with all of the mistakes because usually a Kentucky team has to come in and be flawless in order to be and, close, right? And that's, and that's my point, right, that – all these other games where we've beaten the heavyweights of the SEC, we yeah. have to play a perfect game. You know, exactly. going back, Vinny, to 97 to beat Alabama, you know, Tim Couch and Craig East right. guys were damn near perfect, right? Right, you know, right. Uh, you, you look at uh, Joker Phillips uh, a couple of years ago against Tennessee with mm-hmm. a wide receiver quarterback. I mean, that had exactly. to, everything had to go exactly right. Exactly right, we did, yeah. We didn't play our best game and still won relatively comfortably. And whooped them on the on the front line. And that's one of those things I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> now, now, when you start having great offensive and defensive line play, because we Kentucky's defense has always been pretty good, but the offensive line, uh, I've been, I've been, it's been suspect to me for 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 this uh, for for a while for me. This game showed me exactly what would happen if you get those guys and they get fired up because the offensive linemen and I know a few of them they love 
firing off the line first. They love running plays because then they get to take it to that defensive line. Then I started looking at, you know, what happens if, you know, uh, you put the air raid in the background and you play the air raid off of almost this run pass option uh, that you got going on between these two, you essentially have two, and that's the thing that Terry Wilson brings you, you essentially have two different offensive strategies on the field at the same time, so what do you call the defense for? I mean, if he can drop yeah. back and, and hit those five-step drops like he was doing and clean up the mistakes, clean up the, you know, he has to get a little bit better in terms of uh, his target area and exactly, you know, leading the receivers and everything else. The footwork looks good. But if he can get if he gets that down, then you have two different types of offense on the field at the same time. You can run play action in an air raid, or you can run run pass option uh, between uh, Terry and Benny. And then what, what do you what what do you call? Do you just stay in your base defense all all game? I don't know what these defensive coordinators are going to do. Jimbo is the Jimbo is probably the only guy that I'd give the – even though he's, he's first year at A&M, he may be able to come up with something, but I don't know if he's, he actually has the talent there to stop this. That's going to be a really good matchup uh, come October. Um, but I don't see – you know, I, the only thing that can stop Kentucky right now from winning 10 games this year is probably Kentucky turnovers. I mean, that's uh, – turnovers, missteps, I mean, there's – and who is it going to be? I mean, other than Georgia and A&M, who else is it going to be? I'm not – Pruitt is going to need some more time at Tennessee. Let's just be honest. It's not going to be, you know, Patino – I mean, Petrino out there at Louisville. I don't think that's going to happen. Drew Locke at Missouri, they have a – they almost have a carbon copy defense to Florida. And Drew Locke's pretty good. He's going to be an NFL quarterback, so he's going to score. He's going to try and get out and score, and they're going to try and get ahead. But I, I still think, from what I saw just on the field, I think Kentucky has the edge in that game. Kentucky may be favored on the road in Missouri, and I came into the season not thinking that I'd actually say that on air. <laughs> I, I, I didn't think that that would be the case. With Drew Locke sitting there, an NFL quarterback, I didn't think I was going to come out of here and say, Kentucky might be favored at at Missouri, so um, I don't I don't see I see there's a there's a very good possibility that this is an actual ten win season for Kentucky, and the only thing that can stand in Kentucky's way right now is Kentucky. The faster and the the more that that Terry Wilson buys into what Stoops has planned for him, this might get really interesting quick. Kentucky may be, by the bye week, if they come home from College Station with a W and they're undefeated, they'll be not only ranked. We may be talking about if they beat Georgia, they're playing for the SEC championship. That may be what the conversation is in mid-October for Kentucky this year, and that's a complete turnaround from the the seasons that we've seen before. And they've beaten – Every team now, Mark Stoops, in the East, with the exception of Georgia. And you, you go to the last game that they've played. Now that they've beaten Florida, beat Tennessee last year, got a four-game winning streak going against South Carolina, 
beat Missouri the past couple of years, Vanderbilt the past couple of years. And so, you know, little by little, he's making progress. Sometimes it hasn't come as quickly as the fans would like. You had a couple five and seven seasons when everybody thought should have been six and six and going to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. Seven and five the past two years, and, and you know, Bill to eight would satisfy a lot of people. Just to see him go eight and four, and, I mean, that would be progress over the past two years. But like yeah. you say, if if they continue to jail and and play up to their potential, they could even exceed that this year. And I think that's one of the things um, that's one of the things that that we have to watch. We have to watch what the development of Terry Wilson is because I mean that's kind of the he's the glue that's going to hold all of this together. Those linemen are going to block for that guy. Uh, they are they're already trying to get up for Benny Snell, but. You tell a lineman, man, you only have to block for like, you know, two seconds for Terry Wilson to get 10 yards up the field. Oh, I'm, they're down for that. They'll give maximum effort for that. So, um, I I don't – I started looking, and I was like, man, this is this, – and I thought there was going to be turnovers and mistakes that shot Kentucky in the foot. And I'm looking around, I was like, wait a minute, there were turnovers and mistakes, and they still won by double digits. Or was it nine or ten or eleven? Yeah, yeah. I, I can't. Yeah, that was eleven. Sure it is. Yeah, I'm like, whoa, that's uh, that's something. That's something. It was the way that Kentucky won this game with the mistakes that let me know, okay, they clean up those interceptions. Then what? You know, you don't give the you don't give the offense two other times to actually go down and score on you and take time of possession off the clock. Then what? Do you score another? touchdown or two? Do you kick two more field goals? This game could have been completely out of control if Kentucky actually played up to the standard, which it take taking away, you know, some some penalties and uh, uh, some turnovers. And then all of a sudden you have, hoo-hoo, that would, they would have been destroyed. As a matter of fact, ooh, Dan Mullen might have got ran out of there if they would have got destroyed. But this is this is definitely a, a Kentucky team that I see putting up 30 on some of the best defenses. Uh, don't don't be surprised if they put up 30 on Georgia also. Ooh. Okay, definitely looking and, forward and, to and, it. Hey. And last year, just real quick, last year, you know, with Kentucky getting bowl eligible, I think before Thanksgiving, was it before the end of October, I think, Vinny, uh, yeah, playing yeah. Georgia – you know, they were still mathematically in it, right? Yes. They're still kind of mathematically in it. But this year, what you're saying, Memphis, if they can hold, you know, if they can hold serve and handle their business, that Georgia game becomes huge. That, that Georgia game is a playoff on, game, basically. The, 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 and all the pressure's on Georgia at that point. Right. You know, so that becomes right. the de facto East Championship game. Kentucky's playing with house money. Mm-hmm. Right. And, exactly. and and that game right. at Kroger Field is going to be legit bananas. Legit <laughs> bananas. <laughs> if, if, it, if it works out that way. And, yes. you know, it, it, it's one of those things where Kirby Smart and his bunch, they can't start looking toward Atlanta and, and, and Alabama too soon. They're going to have they're gonna have a confident, swaggy bunch that they're going to have to play on the road. That becomes a tough game. Yeah. I mean, it's a, you start looking at the schedule, and I'm like, you know something? It, because all the time, all the time, I always hear from, you know, uh, everybody. Because if you look at Georgia's schedule, they got the Gators 
right before that game and Auburn right behind them. And I'm just like, well, whoa, yeah. that's a for Georgia. That's a that's that's the teeth of of their schedule. You know, they're going to be rolling right along until they play LSU, and then they have a bye week right afterwards. But then after that bye week, they get Florida. You know, and then they go to Kentucky, and then they get Auburn. That's the that's the meat of their schedule, and Kentucky's right, right there in the middle of it. And let me tell you, for right. a <laughs> For for a defensive coordinator that has to see those three offenses back to back to back. Now I don't know what Florida's gonna be by that time. I think Dan Mellon will have those guys up and rolling. Um but Auburn, we already know what Auburn is. But you bring Kentucky and Auburn back to back, ooh, it's gonna be there are gonna be people sweating bullets uh at Georgia going up to Kroger Field. I'm telling you, that's gonna be a de facto playoff game. Come that first weekend in November, uh, if, if if all Kentucky has to do is hold serve, they just continue to do what they're doing and improve on what I see already in place, then that will be a de facto playoff game. Absolutely, I always enjoy listening to you uh, when I get a chance. Twelve to two on the College Credit Hour, in Memphis. Before you go, man, tell our listeners about the network program that you direct. Sports Radio American Network, and your show that you host, College Credit Hour. No doubt, no doubt. Sports Radio American Network, home of the best, some of the best, uh, independent sports programming from around the nation. Uh, College Credit Hour, noon to 2 Eastern, right there on the Sports Radio American Network. If you, don't, if you are not in one of the cities where we actually have a terrestrial broadcaster, just jump on, hit sportsradioamerica.com, listen live, and you will be able to hear uh, the, the Sports Radio America, the, the program. I'm live every day, Monday through Friday, noon to 2 Eastern. It's always a pleasure coming on, guys. I hate to have to run, but I want to catch up. I want to – sometime during the season, especially if, you know, we have an undefeated Kentucky after six games, we're going to have to meet up and uh, watch one of these games or whatnot uh, together. I'd, I'd love to do that with you guys. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and just to let you know, Memphis, I'm holding it down right off of Beulah Church Road. I'm still holding it down for you. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> holding it down in Fern <laughs> Creek. I love it. I love it, my man. That's my old stomping ground. I love it. <laughs> thank you. Memphis, Appreciate man, we you can't guys. thank you enough. And look forward to listening to you tomorrow, man. I always enjoy it. All right, now. Take care, guys. Thanks. All right. You too. Memphis Spence, Program Director, Sports Radio American Network, host of the College Credit Hour, Monday through Friday, 12 to 2. Uh, I catch it on TuneIn, Sports Radio America. Uh, go right to it and listen right in the middle of the afternoon. You know, hit the lunchtime period and see what Memphis is talking about. Always bringing the good stuff, especially college football. I mean, he's all over it, uh, delving into SEC. Talks a lot of Kentucky uh, on the show, as well as ACC and uh, the AAC. He dives into a lot of that. Knowledgeable, as you just heard. So we definitely appreciate Memphis coming on. And, man, we have hit it hard, TB. The swamp has been drained. The Gators have been... Look, it's like swamp people, man. You know, they bit the hook. You reeled them in for all intents and purposes, put shot them in the head, put them on into the boat, and tagged them, just like Troy Landry and all them dual swamp people. 
That's what Kentucky did that yeah. this past Saturday in Gainesville. And, yeah, and it's just good to get the monkey off your back. Like Memphis was saying, like Anthony uh, uh, was saying and, and Van was saying, now that you have that, you can look at the rest of the schedule. And this is what you and I kind of said as we went through our game-by-game kind of thought process, you know, Kentucky's obviously got to win games. I mean, they're not, nobody's going to give you anything. But you start looking at these other teams and you start feeling a little bit more confident because you're like, okay, you know, we got to go to Louisville, but they haven't looked great. You know, got to go to Tennessee, but they haven't looked fantastic. And, and you can talk yourself into eight wins, nine wins. It doesn't seem crazy. Uh, you know, a lot of people worry about South Carolina. They didn't look great against Georgia, and I know Georgia is Georgia, but still. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I think this win hopefully gets Mark Stoops off the hot seat. You know, we, we talked about just kind of the general malaise around the program. This win, I hope, will be the start of let the man just coach, right? The man just. Let him, let him live. You know, I, my frustration is every game is always an indictment on what he's doing. He's, he's done a great job. You look at the wins, the win total, there haven't been any backsliding uh, on the field. And, that, and when was the last time we had a head football coach that, was, that had won his last game against most of the SEC East, except for Georgia? Mm-hmm. And, well, and honestly, never. <laughs> and honestly, there's a good chance to add, you know, to go down to Tennessee to win. At this point, you know, the, we've got some of the season to play, but right now with what Tennessee's doing, I would not be shocked if Kentucky went down and won. Now, what's that going to do to your neck of the woods, right? What's that, you know, and end up and, – and, we have a potential, and, and, and the Georgia game is going to be tough, right? I, I know that schedule and, and, and all that. Georgia is going to be a tough out. But, I mean, to be in the legitimate conversation for the SEC East, that's going to be huge. You know, heaven forbid, you know, Georgia were to slip up against Florida or slip up against Tennessee or somebody like that. It, it, it seems crazy talk. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you can look and you can kind of feel that, you know, what what kind of hotels they got in Atlanta, you know? <laughs> can I go down to 75 to Atlanta? I mean, I, you know, and I hate to get ahead of myself, but you talk to outside observers like Memphis and other folks you see around the country, and you're saying, you know, Terry's only going to get better, right? Cut down on those mistakes in these first two games, whoo! You know, they're, they're, they're laughers all the way. Terry's going to get better. Benny's going to get uh, – is going to be Benny. Terry and Benny are doing their thing. Well, now the linebackers, like Memphis was saying, linebackers, linebackers and DBs are going to have to do something different. Now, all of a sudden, as we saw what happened against Florida, now you got Lynn Bowden streaking down the sideline, right? Now you've got – now you can get – and everybody, I know everybody loves C.J. Conrad. Now, if the linebackers have to look in the backfield two steps, 
And he, you know, is, is like your man, Jay Novacek, you know, like my yeah. man, Brent Jones, yeah. like Gronk. Yeah. Now he is on that middle of the field. Uh, I mean, I really like what we're doing. Now, I don't think we're going to be throwing the ball 50 times a game. People need to get rid of that air raid mentality. That's not stoops at all. But if we can do like what we saw in Florida, run the ball efficiently and, and, and not have any negative play, I mean, that's the thing. It wasn't a whole lot. You know, there were some penalties, but it wasn't because of plays where we had second and long and third and long. If you can keep ahead of the sticks, run the ball effectively, and capitalize on the shots when you get the opportunity, that is how Kentucky gets to nine wins. I know it seems crazy on paper, you know, to say that, but but this team has the potential to do that. Yeah, and if it all comes together, then, you know, like you and Memphis have been saying, the defense will have to pick their poison. I mean, you, if you don't, if you do sell out to stop Benny, he's still going to get yards. Uh, this offensive line is is proven that they're physical enough to, you know, no matter what kind of fronts they're they're getting or who's trying to stack the box, uh, you know, Benny's going to fall forward and get his yards. If you, but all these other weapons will make it, you know, you can't sell out because, like you said, you got Dorian Baker, Lynn Bowden, um, Josh Ali, Taven Richardson, C.J. Conrad. That you, I mean, you, what are you going to do? And, and if you kind of lay back and try to, you know, bump those guys at the line and be physical with them, then Benny's just running against, you know, what, five-man front, five in the – I mean, that's <laughs> that's just too easy. So what – Will you do? You compromise, and you know, like uh, I mean, you know, my Rockets. You double team McKean, and you and he just had four spot up three point shooters. Pick your poison. Uh, you know, you you single cover him. Forget it. What is the defense gonna do? They're always gonna be a day late and a dollar short if this offense comes together like it has the potential to, like you're talking about on paper. Yeah, and and, and we see that. So I, a great win, uh, you know, a win where we can finally shake the Florida malaise off. Uh, yes. It, 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 you know, something for the fans, and you've you got that from the players. They understand. Uh, Cash Daniel, I think, set the tone defensively. He was in Frank's face early and often mm-hmm. uh, to the point where, uh, as we talked about, he, he wasn't finding – they had open receivers, but he wasn't hitting the open receivers. So uh, that's what defensive pressure will do. So it was just a great, great yeah. win. Looking forward to, to Moorhead State. But I know you got to see some more football this weekend. Is that right? I did. I did. Uh, and, by the way, the Kentucky game is going to re-air again at night on the SEC Network. So uh, I'm sure a lot of BBN will be – Rewatching it and, and reliving it all. My lovely better half, Katie, 17 years. Uh, our anniversary was August the 4th, but usually, you know, school starting around that time. She worked in retail, so a lot of times it's tax-free weekend. So we end up usually doing something for our anniversary in September or, or something like that, a few weeks 
after the actual date. But uh, my anniversary gift was tickets to see the Cowboys against the Panthers. So we spent the weekend in Charlotte, left Friday evening, uh, got over there and, and hung out. Saturday, spent all day in Charlotte, um, was out and about. So I listened to the game. A lot, some places didn't have ACC Network, even though their headquarters are over there. So I was listening to Tom Leach and Jeff Okoro when we were out and about. Um, went to the game Sunday, uh, had been to Bank of America Stadium before, right there in downtown Charlotte. Uh, pretty stadium, beautiful city. We love Charlotte. And like I said last week, I said, if, if Kentucky beats Florida, nothing even matters. I knew my Cowboys would have a tough time going on the road to to face the Panthers. I knew it was going to be a tall task. Uh, you're missing Jason Whitten. Uh, you let Des Bryant go, trying to do receiver by committee. Offensive line is banged up, and it showed. Uh we had a ball, though. Cowboys Nation was all up in the building, and it was a lot of fun uh, hanging out with, with fellow Cowboys fans everywhere. It wasn't quite 50-50, but it was a good mix. You know, everybody behind us was pretty much Cowboys fans. Um, my wife was trolling me. We went to the mall Saturday, so she got her a Panthers shirt to put on just to mess with me because she knows I'm such a big Cowboys fan. So on third down, she had her Panthers towel, and she was just making noise and just, you know, acting like she was part of Panthers Nation. So that was hilarious. Um, the Cowboys took it on the chin. It was They lost 16-8 to and didn't score until late in the third quarter or right at the start of the fourth quarter. It's just they weren't able to get anything going. Dak uh, Prescott and – we know why a lot of times. It looked like he was kind of trying to prove that he was a passing quarterback, and there was times he could have ran and didn't do so. Uh, not the first black quarterback to go through that, and he won't be the last. Uh, there were times he should have tucked it. A lot of times his receivers weren't getting open, and you miss Jason Witten doing the same thing C.J. Conrad would do, the little option routes, the little stuff across the middle, a little run a 10-yard hitch and just be that security blanket, that didn't have that. Uh, defense played pretty good. You know, you hold a team to 16 points in today's NFL, TB, you know, you can more than likely you're going to win that game uh, unless you are struggling offensively. And that's what the Cowboys were doing. So, 0-1, got the Giants this coming Sunday. But we had a ball. Uh, it was you're not going to get a cooler anniversary gift than to go see your team play home or away. So uh, I had a ball, even though they, you know, they got beat. We had a blast, and it was a lot of fun. Well, that's good. I'm glad, I'm glad you had fun. The Cowboys actually wore their uh, Navy uniforms, which they re- wear like once a year. You know, they rarely wear I love those. Uh, oh, but I you love know what I'm saying? They, they rarely wear them. So, uh yeah, that was cool. I was I was looking for you uh, on the television, but uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm I'm glad yeah. I'm glad you had a good time. I'm glad I'm glad you did. Yeah. I, I enjoy NFL games when I get the chance to go. Yeah, yeah. We have been uh, haven't been to a whole lot, and 
Uh, and look, yeah, for those that do go, you know that ain't cheap. No matter where you are in the NFL stadium, it ain't cheap. No. But uh, no. we have went uh, 13, 14 years ago. Uh, the company I worked for took everybody to a game, and you know, me and my wife went to Charlotte for that game, and it was the Falcons were in town. So it, it was Michael Vick versus Jake DeLone. So that tells you how long ago it's been. That was actually my first NFL game. Uh, it was fun uh, watching those go, guys go at it. You got to see kind of Michael Vick's speed in person, uh, the NFL speed of the game in person that you'd always heard about all your life on TV. Uh, so it's definitely a lot, a lot of fun um, to get to do that. So, yeah, uh, even rained a little bit. And and look, the weather forecast, it was supposed to rain, <laughs> like, starting at, like, 3.30 Sunday evening, and it was a kickoff at 425. The weather showed showers from, like, 3.30 to 9.30. So we were like, oh, man. But it turned out it was just a little five, eight, ten-minute shower in the first half, and that was it. So we were extremely fortunate. And a lot of times the clouds blocked out the sun, so it made it comfortable. You didn't have that September summer sun beating down on you. They got a lot of luck with the cloud placement uh, and got a cool little rainbow. I put it on Twitter and Instagram from the stadium. After the rain, it went away. You had a little rainbow uh, shining right there on the stadium. So it was that was beautiful, too. Well, good. I'm glad you had a good time. Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, I'll be at the, uh, the Murray State game Saturday, and it's just like Van was talking about, and I'm kind of got a little article that I'm working on to get out tonight or tomorrow about, you know, taking care of business now. You, you do have that trap game coming with Murray State. Don't let them hang around and get over all of the elation easier said than done, and go ahead and knock them out uh, and don't have a stressful game like we've seen at Kroger Field before, handle business, and then put all your attention on Mississippi State after you KO Murray State, hopefully, early on. Yeah, you definitely want to put them away. Uh, One thing that has to be a little bit of concern – I saw that, that Benny was in, you know, for like 50-something plays. Might want to tone that back. <laughs> you know, might want to take that back a little bit, spread that out, uh, let him get his early and, and rest a little bit. I know he's a competitor and probably doesn't want to do that. But um, definitely uh, an easy win. Uh, this this year, so far, two games in, has been pretty much, if you could have diagrammed a better start, I don't think this would be it. I mean, I think this is what you would want, you know, 2-0 and in the streak, get to 3-0, uh, you know, expand some things for uh, for Terry Wilson uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, again, you don't want to look past anybody, but by the same token, uh, you've got to get ready for the heart of the SEC schedule. So I, I, I hope you have a fun time, an easy time, <laughs> one of those games where you can meander down to the – to the press room a little bit early because the game is at hand. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's hope for that. That's right. That's right. And I would say, you know, I would say the Central Michigan game was probably the perfect balance. And look, Kentucky's going to be 
more of a run dominant team anyway, because uh, that's just kind of basically ever since you know, Drew Barker got hurt down in Florida two years ago, the identity of the offense, the makeup of the offense, has kind of dictated that that's what they do. And that you know Eddie Graham's done a good job of that, uh, and you know you, he did a good job of that with Stephen Johnson being bruised and battered for the bulk of the year last year, but. Last week, Benny had 20 carries, and A.J. Rose had eight, and Sahin King had four or five carries. And so that's probably more what you want. And like you mentioned, he had 27 carries against Florida. A.J. Rose only had four carries. Terry Wilson had 10 runs. But, you, I mean, you're running for 300 yards, so they knew they had the run game working, and – you know, it was basically just kind of kept feeding the hot hand. So, yeah, you did see him get 27 carries. But, like you say, hopefully this coming Saturday he pops a bunch of long ones and uh, the game is well in hand early. And, you know, you get to see Gunnar Hoke come in and get some meaningful minutes, even though the lead is large. Uh, that's the best-case scenario that, that we can hope for. Absolutely. And, look, it seems like every time we do the show, something happens on Thursday that by the time we're back on, it's, you know, six days old. But last week, man, the whole U.K. soccer getting having a self-reported violation for doing a little pickup game with the Foo Fighters, are you kidding me? Uh, look, I'm not a super – Food Fighters fan, but, you know, I'd have played soccer with them. You know, it's, it's just so harmless. But, of course, that's what the NCAA would freak out about. But that was big news last week. But, you know, once again, showing how distorted and twisted the NCAA, the NCAA is about everything that they try to do or put their foot down on. And, and this is where the NCAA loses credibility for me. Uh, some more information came out today about Michigan State and all that grossness and everything. Uh, we don't want the NCAA to to become the the police, the government, right? We I don't think anybody wants them in that capacity, but we'd love for them to at least be consistent and at least do things that make sense. And that's what's being missed in the bureaucracy. That's the NCAA. Uh, You know, some of those people, some sports writers will tell you, you know, the NCAA only does what the schools want them to do. And I think at some point that was accurate, but the NCAA has become a big, bureaucracy of its own that's only there to serve its own purpose. And when Cal said a couple of years ago, John Calipari said that at some point, you know, your, your big schools are going to pull away. This is what's going to happen. Uh, th- this is why. Yeah. Just little bitty things, little nitpicky things. And then on the big stuff, they blunder it so badly. I mean, Michigan State, nothing's happening. Baylor, nothing's happening. Ohio State, nothing's happening. I mean, (laughs) 
hey, look, I, look, I don't want the, the NCAA to investigate, you know, all the stuff that happened in Michigan State, rape and all that. But somebody, there has to be an NCAA violation somewhere in that. Give me something, you know, that you could at least put them on probation for. There's got to be something you can do or what really are the rules all about. So uh, just, just, it's just gross, uh, like I said, what happened at, at Michigan State and all that. But NCAA is just you know, these minor violations. I think uh, didn't we get in trouble? The basketball team got in trouble because Jay-Z was in the locker room or something like that. Come on. You know, uh, when we won in 2011. Yeah, 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 come and, on. And Tyler Hewlett took a picture with Drake or something like that a couple years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, I think it was uh, I think it was Julius and Drake. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Crazy. And, and and it's just it's just frustrating that the, the NCA is just so uh I don't know, tone deaf, but they just don't I mean I guess that would be what I would say. Uh but they just don't make good common sense decisions. That would be my frustration or is my frustration with the NCA right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I saw where I think your 49ers came up short a little bit as well. So I think we're both sitting on 0-1. And I see where y'all play the Lions. And we spoke last week with Anthony Servino, the real NFL guru, talking a lot of fantasy football. And you and I both had Matthew Stafford and – he basically sunk our battleship last week. Um, four picks against the Jets Monday night. Uh, you know, and I have fun playing fantasy football. I don't keep up with it as, as hardcore as I used to. But I went into Monday night having Matthew Stafford going in the first game, Todd Gurley going for the Rams in the second game. And both of them do fairly close to average. I had a good shot to win. I think I was down – I don't know, 40 points or something like that. You know, you get Stafford doing what he does and then Gurley doing what he does, I'll, I'll be right there. But uh, Stafford threw four interceptions, so, you know, I tweeted out, I was going to need Gurley to score like 14 touchdowns, and that, that just didn't happen. But that is the ups and downs of fantasy football. So, you know, you take your L's, you know, you see what guys do, you, you put your team out there and see what happens. Uh, but Stafford – you know, Stafford got us both. He bit us both last week. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all you. That's all you can say. That's all you can say. But uh, we'll see what happens next week. Uh, we'll see if your Niners can get the one and one. We'll see if my Cowboys can get the one and one. See if our Cats can get the three and zero. Oh. Um, and we'll definitely be here again doing all this next week. This is. Uh, been a fast two hours. If you missed any of it, you can catch it on the Apple Podcast. Uh, it replays tomorrow on 12 Ounce Sports, 12OunceSportsRadio.com. Uh, and every show is on demand on TuneIn, Player FM, CastBox FM, uh, and Stitcher. So uh, you can catch it all there. And of course, we repost it on Twitter and Facebook at Cats Talk Wednesday. But man, look, it was. Just the the, the excitement, uh, you know, we felt it when Stevie got loose to beat Louisville. 
When Kentucky upset LSU, uh, when Kentucky upset Tennessee to end the streak, even though that season, from a wins-loss standpoint, was not successful as the 07 season and what we hope this season to be. Still fun getting that Tennessee streak off our backs. Same thing against Florida, and now you still got 10 games left to build on that and uh, get a lot of, you know, a lot more goals that the team has and a lot more uh, exciting expectations that the fan base has. It's all just kind of right there in front of the team, in front of Coach Stoops and company. Absolutely. Well, man, I can't thank you enough for being here and doing this every week. Appreciate everybody listening. Um, thanks to Michelle Morton for tweeting in. Appreciate her listening every week as well as everyone else. Um, Anthony White, Van Howes, Memphis Spence brought so much knowledge. It was, you know, a swamp streak-ending show, as it should be, and we spent most of our time on that and enjoyed every minute of it because it was that exciting, and we've been waiting that long. And after all the near misses, it's just, you know, you know, Jerry Lorenzen on Twitter, I'm sure everybody saw that, how emotional he was. My boy Chipper Jones tweeting about it because his wife, his current wife now, is a former U.K. cheerleader. Chipper Jones is a Florida native. He was giving props to U.K. People all over the place. Coach Curry tweeting out props to John Schlarman. Everybody all over the place was on social media Saturday night. Uh, I didn't really – I went to sleep late, you know, after my wife and I being out and about in Charlotte – but I was just retweeting a lot of the players and stuff like that. It, it was just it was just fun. It's just that excitement that you have after a big win when Kentucky football pulls an upset. It just it just excites you, and and you just gotta soak it up. And that's what we did this evening. Absolutely. Can't thank you enough, man. Everybody, check out the replay on Twelve Ounce Sports tomorrow. Have a good rest of the week, TV, and we look forward to a fun weekend and look forward to talking about every bit of it next Wednesday, 6 to 8. Thank you, and thanks to our guests. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Appreciate it so much. Four-man TV Brown, TV Brown, this is Benny Hardy. We'll see you all next Wednesday, Cats Talk Wednesday, blogtalkradio.com, Brown and Hardy Radio Network. Everybody be good, and we'll see you all next week.